Hello, my name is Christopher Rodonik, and welcome to the Stanford Summary. Within this episode, I will be covering the events that have unfolded within the fabled basement of the Stanford University's psychology department, along with those who attended this experiment, the motivations of the one who had concocted the whole escapade, along with the unexpected suffering of its participants and the grossly misinterpreted results of the whole experiment. Now, let's begin. Now, to start off with this whole thing, let's talk about the one who produced this whole experiment, really the idea behind it all. His name? Philip Zimbardo. He was born in New York City of New York State. He was born to an Italian immigrant family, and during his younger years, his passion for psychology came from the fact that people always assumed him to be of other ethnic backgrounds other than Italian. As years passed, and during his university years, really, and as he finished his university courses, he gained multiple degrees, which included those within the field of psychology, along with, oddly enough, one in anthropology. Yes, he had a backup plan for if psychology didn't pan out. Regardless, after bouncing around from university to university, working as a professor in psychology in each, he finally settled down in, in the fabled Stanford University. While he was there, he was curious in the United States' prison system, in the fact of if there was a way to create a more stable system instead of the paranoia and distrust between both guards and prisoners. And such, he went with what became the Stanford Prison Experiment. Of course, he needed some form of capital if he wanted to conduct such a thing, and someone did come up for it, specifically the United States' Department of the Navy, who gave him funding as to see if there would be a way to better the relations between prisoners and military police during times of war. Now, with the funding in hand, he made a poster and put it up on a bulletin board, saying how he needed 50 volunteers for his experiment, and that they would be paid for two weeks and for $15 each per day. I'm assuming back in the 70s that was considered a lot for a college student, but regardless, he needed specifically college students for whatever reason. As he got the volunteers, he picked 26 of the 50 through a screening process that excluded those with a criminal record and mental illness. Once he had his guinea pigs in hand, he found a place in the basement of the university's psychology department specifically a section of offices that were not being used and could function as a prison with three cells, which were the offices, a solitary confinement cell, which was a janitor's closet, and the main hallway, acting as a courtyard and recreational area. As the experiment was about to commence, the 26 were divided into two groups, the prisoners and the guards. Now, with both sides, they had their own roles. The guards were to keep the peace and make sure the prisoners stayed in line and that they followed the prison's strict hierarchy and rules. And the prisoners, well, 
they were just supposed to act like prisoners. In the August of 1971, the participants were arrested at their homes, specifically the prisoners, and it was supposed to give it that little bit of authenticity. I have no idea why you would want that, but regardless, they were then brought to the local police station. They were fingerprinted, they got their mugshots, and given prison garbs, which consisted mainly of a tunic. They were then brought to the prison, but of course, but in fact, a day before, the guards were brought in so they could get their gear and uniforms, along with to help out with the finishing touches of building up the prison itself. Now the now the uniforms and gear was in the style of seventies prison guards of the time. As the experiment was conducted, things really started to go off track quickly. With the prisoners, at, and this is the first day here, with the prisoners refusing to leave their cells when they were woken up, quite rudely in fact. It eventually escalated to mental warfare where the guards would threaten the prisoners from all sorts of different things. In any case of disobedience, they would try something, where in one case, a man refused to eat out of defiance. And of course, what the guards did was that they threatened that, and they, well, they threatened the other prisoners that if he didn't eat, they would have their blankets taken away. Now, for August, you would expect it to be quite hot, considering it would be summertime, but apparently the basement was but cold us for whatever reason. Regardless, the prisoners would end up forcing the man to eat, which was only, which is in fact one of one of many different things the guards did to get the prisoners to act in line. Along with that, the guards ended up breaking rules, specifically. The agreed-upon time in solitary confinement, which was one hour, where they would instead put them in there for sometimes three hours or more. Which, all this sort of stuff ended up having one prisoner have a mental breakdown, and when he went, when he wanted to go talk to a doctor, and when he actually got the option to, he was scolded by his other inmates, calling him a bad prisoner which kind of increased his stress. The, way, the only way he was able to calm down was that he, he was reminded that it was all an experiment, and it seemed that the whole thing did get to his head. He was eventually allowed to leave, though, in good health. Though, not exactly great health in, in his mind. In the end, the experiment was cut short due to the insanity that had happened and the unexpected results. Zimbardo expected that there was going to be change in how things worked if he just had regular people act as guards and prisoners, where there would be no animosity, no hate, no disdain for one another's position. But in fact, there was a drastic difference in how they behaved, though it was not what he expected nor did it come to, come to the two weeks he 
envisioned. He did pay them for the amount of time he was going to have them there for, which was two weeks and $15 per day. He ended up concluding that the prison's conditions itself and the stripping of the liberties and rights of the prisoners caused them to react the way they did, which most in the scientific community called bogus on his claims since no one else was able to make the same results. He ended now for a proper look over the whole thing, and this is from a personal view here, that he makes a point that they did react in different situations. He did not consider that those that are locked up in actual prison are in fact violent themselves, which does result in altercations among staff and inmates. Along with that, those in the experiment could have been violent themselves, and that the screening process wasn't as strict compared to other things. Along with that, the one who was acting as the warden of the whole thing, one of Zimbardo's colleagues, did have some control of how the guards acted towards other prisoners, especially their actions against them. Regardless, in the end, the experiment was an extremely unethical idea and showed how science can go a little farther than what one might think. Not like there's not enough science fiction movies to tell us that already. Though the experiment did have good intentions, it only proved that our current prison system, in its own way, is kind of its own best case scenario. This is Christopher Radonik of the Stanford Summary, signing off.